From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Special Edition Getting to Know Us Show. Uh, for lack of a better name. That's not even going to make a good acronym. <laughs> um, I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table by my good friends and Disney experts, Kathy Whirling, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. And back in the peanut gallery, as we like to call it. Teresa Eccles, Walter Eccles, Leah Zanola, our senior editor on the Diz, and her husband David Zanola. Uh, now the and the, Max the intern and Max the intern. Oh, she, he was hiding behind Julie. I didn't see him there. Yeah, I'm so um, big now. You can't see anybody behind me. <laughs> no, it's just the both of you are that no, small. Just, you can actually. I'm, he was hiding okay. behind her mic stand. <laughs> if he turns sideways and sticks out his tongue, he's a zipper. And what you just heard is exactly the reason that I wanted to. Uh, uh, do this show. We did a survey recently and you know, asked people what they thought about the show. A number of people commented that uh, it took them a little while to kind of get caught up with uh, who we are and what this is all about. Uh, if you start listening to the podcast, it's easy to kind of get a little confused by, okay, who are these people? What do they actually do for a living? Uh, why are they doing this show? What is this show about? So I thought we would do a show that we could keep up on the site so that when someone new comes to listen, they can kind of get caught up. Uh, the show is, of course, called The Diz Unplugged. And uh, the purpose of the show is, is really simple, to provide as much trip planning information for a Disney vacation as we can in an unbiased and honest format, uh, meaning that we're going to tell you what we think. We're going to tell you the truth about what we think. If we don't like something, we say we don't like it. And we decided to go with that format mainly because so few others were doing it. A lot of what you'll hear out there, and I'm not trashing any other websites or any other podcasts, but a lot of what you hear out there is just all the good stuff about Disney. And believe me, there's plenty of good stuff there, and we do talk about that. But from our perspective, a Disney vacation costs a lot of money. A lot of people have to plan. Sometimes it's a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. And we think there should be a place on the web where you can go and get honest information about what's good and what's not good. Again, in our opinion, but we've been doing this for a while. And we're going to be introducing all the members of our team uh, shortly and telling you more about each one of them. But I wanted to give an overview of our websites and who we are. Uh, first, uh, if you're listening to this, then you have probably been to either wdwinfo.com, also known as the Diz or disboards.com, also known as The Boards. And these are two websites that are owned by me and run by uh, the president of Warner Technologies, Corey Martin, who is also one of the people here at the table. Uh, let me be very clear. These websites are a business. They had to be a business in order to keep them the size that they are. When The Boards became popular, in the early days, there was no business. It was just I was a Disney fan, and we did this. But as it grew, and especially as the boards grew, it required that we start taking advertising. Uh, we are trying to be very, very good about being transparent about anything we discuss on the show that has to do with anything we have a business interest in. So uh, one of those business interests is another business 
that I am part owner in, along with John Magi and uh, Donald Lefevre, uh, Dreams Unlimited Travel. It's the official travel agency of the Diz. These are two separate companies. Like I said, I own Warner Technologies, which owns the Diz and the boards. And uh, John, Donna, and I are partners in Dreams Unlimited Travel. And we all work together, and we all, you know, everything helps everything else out. But they are two separate and distinct businesses. And we started this show, what is it now, three and a half years ago. 2006? 2006. God, it's going to be four years. It's almost. I was going to say it's almost four years. It doesn't feel like it. It really doesn't. Uh, We started the show about four years ago, three and a half years ago. And our initial initial, uh, foray into podcasting was not well received. Hmm. We had professionals doing what was a scripted show. And I'm fond of saying they were the those shows, while the guys doing it were really, truly great professionals, and this is to take nothing away from them, the format was not right for our audience. And they were the worst reviews I have ever gotten on anything I have ever done in the 20 plus, 25 plus years of my career, uh, 13 of those years doing this. So we came up with this roundtable format. I think we started doing it in August of 2006 is when we actually started the roundtable format and it almost instantly became a hit people really liked it people started listening we had none of us have ever sat behind a microphone before in this like this and in the early days we were petrified Uh, over the years it has grown our audience has grown substantially and uh, we have two shows actually now three really that we do uh, month, on a monthly basis, we have the Diz Unplug Roundtable Discussion, which is our where we discuss news and any information that we consider pertinent to someone planning uh, a Disney vacation. Uh, sometimes those discussions are animated. Sometimes those discussions are uh, controversial. <laughs> uh, often they are sarcastic. <laughs> Who are you looking at? <laughs> I was just going to say, are you looking at me? This side of the table, I think. Yeah, general. really, it's this particular <laughs> side of the table. We also do an email show every other week where we take emails and voicemails from our, our listeners who have questions about planning a trip or questions about the show, about the site, about some piece of information there. Uh, they they, they want to ask us. And then every other week we are doing now a Disboards show, a show dedicated to Disboards.com where we discuss some various threads on the boards that we find interesting or that we find pertinent, again, to that whole process of trip planning. We are all hardcore Disney fans. We have been for, in most cases, many, many years. We have all planned, at one level or another, several trips to Orlando. The entire Diz site is basically an extension of the trips John and I used to plan when we were living in New Jersey. And that's where that got started and uh, has certainly drawn in the people who like to obsessively plan their trips. And, uh, you know, a lot of some people think, you know, you go to Disney World, you just, you know, book your vacation and go. Those people are the ones walking around the parks looking like they've been hit upside the head by, with a two by four. Holding a map. Really Holding big. a map. <laughs> exactly. Um, going to Disney World without a plan, about the worst thing I think anyone could possibly do. And uh, that is what we've devoted our sites and this show to doing. That would be like going out and buying a car with no research. With no, exactly. Even worse, yeah. So 
what I'm going to do is we're going to... Uh, Before you move on, can you give a quick explanation of where the name The Diz came from and Diz Unplugged came from? Well, the name The Diz uh, is actually an acronym for Disney Information Station, which was the very original name of this site. And uh, eventually we just started calling it The Diz because everybody called it The Diz. Nobody called it The Disney Information Station, but... It's out there. I mean, we are the Disney Information Station, the original Disney Information Station. Also because on the boards, they love acronyms. Yeah. So anything yeah. was out there, so the Disney Information Station just became the Diz. When I first started with the boards, I would scream across the room, John, what is this? Who's and, Phil? That's what I want to know. F-I-L, father-in-law. Who's <laughs> 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 Phil? <laughs> yeah, the acronyms are – actually, we have a – I think we have a, a we page do. somewhere. Yeah, we have an abbreviation page. It's been months, and I tried to figure out what Y-A-G-E stands for. Oh, I know. Okay. And now I finally figured yeah, it out. Why, if you see Y-A-G-E, that's yet another grand exit. When someone has decided they're no they're longer going to post on the boards, they usually post what we call Yage, um, which is some big, long diatribe about how the boards are horrible. and They usually have the back of their hand to their forehead. Yeah, it's, it's definitely high drama stuff. It's yeah. definitely high drama stuff. Yeah, but we have a whole page where those things are listed, especially if you're a first-timer. You want to go check those out. We'll have a link to that, as we do with every show that we do. Uh, we have a show notes page, which is located at podcast.wdwinfo.com. That is where we include links to anything that we discuss on that week's show. The Diz Unplugged really came about as the um, something you can take with you. You can unplug from your computer and take with you, um, whether you're driving, working out, or whatever. That's why the, the logo for it is the USB, because pretty much anything you connect to the computer and download onto an external device, like an MP3 player or an iPod, you use a USB. So that's and, how it came about. And also, as if you listen to any for any length of time to the shows, I'm well known for my rants. So there are times where the, the show should probably be called The Diz Unhinged <laughs> um, or The Sleeping. Diz Unmedicated. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's where the, 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 the origins of The Diz Unplugged uh, came from. But uh, now, as I said, uh, we're joined at the table every week by a core team of people. Um, sometimes one of the seats changes depending on who has a segment that week. But uh, always at the table are my longtime friend and business partner, John Magi, his partner, Kevin Close. I was going to call you Ke- Kevin Eccles. <laughs> There's so many Eccles in there. Yeah. It would just be easier if we all changed our name to Eccles. And uh, Corey Martin, who, as I said, is the president of Warner Technologies and is in, is in charge of what goes on on the Diz and the boards. His wife, Julie Martin. And Kathy Whirling, who is also one of the editors on the Diz. She's also a travel agent with Dreams Unlimited Travel. And uh, uh, this is is kind of the core team of the table. We also have my partner, Walter Eccles, who's here every week. And uh, his sister-in-law, my sister-in-law, Teresa Eccles. And Teresa's job uh, involves a a product we call Dreams Res, which is where Dreams Unlimited sells the off-property. Uh, non-Disney-owned hotels, and Teresa is in charge of that product. And in the vein of keeping all the Eccles family apparently in the loop (laughs) with this, uh, Teresa's son, Max Eccles, who is our intern, Max the intern as we refer to him, and we make Max do all sorts of things like uh, wear funny hats and carry heavy bags. We needed needed Max this week at our house. 
And we were going to call over and have him come over. But Max also, <laughs> Max also edits the show. Um, and I, I got to tell you, he really unbelievable how quickly he picked that up. And some of his edits are so good, I don't even know where they are. And that's really hard to do. And Max is learning a lot of different things about what we do uh, in the, on the sites and in the business. There's also another Max we refer to. Yes, Max the dog, my, my, my puppy, my eight-year-old puppy. And since the floor in the studio is, uh, uh, well, I, 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 I guess it's, it looks like hardwood, but it's not. It's, um, <laughs> that might be too transparent. Yeah. <laughs> Max, when you, you'll hear Max walking around um, as he works the table uh, looking for love and affection that apparently I'm not giving him enough of. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you'll hear about Max and Figaro, my cat, who shuttles back and forth between John's house and mine, uh, depending on who's traveling. Joint custody of the cat. We have joint custody of the cat. Try explaining that to the vet. (laughs) Yeah. Figaro's living with his other daddy this week. (laughs) Figaro actually has three daddies. That's even more confusing. Oh, God. That's right. Figaro's four daddies. He's not going to be able to go to preschool. Well, no, no, we refer to Walter as Uncle Walter. Oh. oh, it's that he's, kind of game. Yeah, he's Uncle Walter. Uh, but he is Max's dad. even consider that a movie. He is, oh, no, he's absolutely Max's dad. Yes, absolutely. Max the dog. Max the dog. <laughs> he is not the father of his nephew, even though they are Southern. And they um, do look alike. I thought the show was to clear up the thing. <laughs> not to make it worse. And yes, John and Pete used to live together. John and I now live together. That's right. Corey and I were never involved with anyone else at the table. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we are clean. <laughs> and Kathy's hands are sparkly clean. <laughs> and we also have uh, Leah Zanola, who is the senior editor on The Diz. She's responsible for managing a lot of the content that goes up on The Diz. And uh, she actually lives in the middle of nowhere. In one of the square um, states in the middle. In one of those square red <laughs> hey, states it's not in square. the middle. Uh, in Illinois. And uh, she is, she's in town every so often, and when she's in town, we always love having her join us on the show. So that kind of gives you an idea of, 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 the, of the basic team. But I want everybody to kind of just go around, introduce yourselves. I want you to tell me what it is you do for a living and when you first got the Disney book. I'm going to be interested to hear that from some of the people around this table. What would they do for a living? Actually do for a living. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. <laughs> Our people work very hard. They do work Our hard. people work joke. incredibly hard. So why don't we start with you, Mr. Jokester? Okay. Uh, I'm John Magi. I am one of the owners of Dreams Unlimited Travel. And also you'll hear me refer to my other company, which I own with Kevin, which is Dreams Villas of Orlando. We're very limited in our creativity when it comes to names. Yeah, really? <laughs> very narrow. We only know a couple words. Yeah. And that's our um, rental property uh, business that we have where we uh, do short-term rentals for people coming to Orlando. Uh, my first visit to Disney was in 1992 during Hurricane Andrew. It was kind of a present to myself for finishing my bachelor's degree, uh, working during the day. Which is in what? Chemistry. That's right. Chemistry. John is a chemist. So I was going to school during the day. I was working during the day, going to school at night. And in the summers, took me a long time, so that was sort of a present to myself. The first visit was okay. It wasn't like, oh, I found Mecca and, ooh, you know, the heavens opened and the angels sang, for, like it was for many of you. It was fun. I had a good time. 
the next visit after that was after I had met Pete. And that was a completely different experience. No, it always is with me. That was like storming the beaches of Normandy. (laughs) We had maps and plans and lists. And I thought, this is going to be the worst vacation I'm ever going to go on. From now on, he's going to go by himself. But it was a lot of fun. And it was fun to see Disney in a different light. It was fun to see Disney in a light where someone was truly into it. And I think that is what flipped the switch for me. It made me become interested in Disney in a different way. Um, we had been to Disney, I can't remember how many times. A lot. A lot. Several times a year were the, were the trips. And during one of the trips, we were here. Um, before we left for vacation, I decided I was going to bring my resume. And I was going to apply for a job. And I thought, this is a pipe dream. I'll put in my resume. We'll see what they say. Now, I should mention that John had always talked about you know, being able to work for Disney would be like something that he, he's always wanted to be able to do. So, you know, but as he said, a pipe, at that point, we both thought pipe dream. Right. And at this point in my career, I had transitioned from chemistry to IT work. Yeah, I was going to say, he's a chemist at Disney. I want to come down here and make the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, head of an IT for, uh, head of the IT department for a, uh, a cosmetics company at the time. So I thought I could get a job in IT. So we came down on vacation. Lo and behold, there was a job fair. Put in my resume. Three phone interviews, two personal interviews later, they had offered me a job. And this all took place while we were on vacation. Right. Mind you, we were down here for like 10 days. And this was, he put the job, he put the, uh, submitted the resume at the job fair. Uh, the first day we were here, by the last day, by the day we left, they had sent the employment packet to the hotel. Right. Mm. Had to buy clothes. I was here on yeah, vacation. we had to like run out and buy clothes. Buy a suit for an interview and shoes. So uh, we had made the decision to move to Orlando, and I was going to work for Disney. That lasted about two and a half years, I think, two and a half, three years, at which point Pete had already started the other business. Uh, Dreams Unlimited Travel had a couple of months actually under its belt at that point, and I decided I didn't want to work for Disney anymore. I wanted to be on the other side as a guest and also participate in the business more hands-on, more fully. Um, that and the fact that right after we launched, I was having a nervous breakdown. I said, if you don't come and help, there's no way I could do this. We had a different vision of what this company was going to be, obviously. We had thought you know, we were going to have two or three agents, and Donna was going to handle all the reservations. Yeah. And we had no idea what it, it was going to be like. grew exponentially. So I have a question. How did you all meet Donna? How did she come into the mix? Donna was one of the first uh, people uh, to be a regular on the Diz. Um, I met Donna in the early days. We had a chat room on the site, and Donna was in chat every night. And she and I just kind of got to know each other and became friends that way. And then, uh, you know, it just that friendship grew. And, and when uh, we started Dreams Unlimited, when I, when I first came up with the idea for Dreams Unlimited, it was January of 99. And Donna had just been laid off from her job. And I said, well, you know, why don't you come help us out with this? And, you know, Donna was instrumental in doing a lot of the legwork that uh, set, set the business up. And, you know, because we had never done any of this before. We were looking at each other and going, how do you be a travel agent? How do you start a travel agency? There wasn't a lot of information out there. And it was actually, you know, Donna made a contact at Disney who said, okay, this is what you need to do. And, you know, that's how, that's how Donna came into it. And again, I've said this before, none of this is linear. We try to tell a story in a linear fashion. Things 
took place at the same time. Uh, while I was working for Disney and Pete was building the business, we, Pete had struck relationships with uh, the non-Disney hotels and had started selling those on an, in a different format than through a travel agency on a strictly advertising commission basis. Right. So then we said, well, we're selling these off-property hotels. How hard could it be to sell now Disney hotels? So then that's where the whole idea of we're going to sell Disney. And then we it wasn't just a matter of we're going to sell Disney. What can we do different? What can we bring to the table that's different than anybody else at this time? What can we offer people? And part of what we thought we could offer people was our passion for the product. We weren't selling trips to Wyoming. We weren't selling trips to Hawaii. We were concentrated on what we loved and what, and what we knew and what we knew well. So um, the business continued and flourished. Pete and I broke up. I met Kevin, who was a Disney fan similar to myself with a similar background. Moved to Orlando to be closer to Disney because he loved it. You're telling my story. I am, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, get ready, Kevin. I'm Correct tell, him when he's wrong. I'm going to tell everybody's story. You're not going to do it right. So, um, you made me lose my train of thought. So, what happened was it was sort of that similar background of we had that um, uh, passion for Disney and what we liked about it, and it, it, we came at it at a similar angle. So... Um, Dreams flourished. We did very well. And then my, um, I don't want to say passion, my idea had become um, I don't want to just sell other people's properties. I want to sell my own property. Mm-hmm. So that's, that has always been a dream for you. It has been. He has a monopoly fetish. I do. <laughs> I want to own Boardwalk. And so then that's where the idea for Dreams Villas came about, was that I was going to actually own the properties that were going to be rented out that people were going to stay in. And that sort of brings us to where we are today. Cool. Was that what you wanted? That's exactly what I wanted. Thank God. A lot of pressure. <laughs> so much pressure to be the first. You had to go first. I know. Poor John. <laughs> and yet, after all that storytelling, I'm still not respected. <laughs> but you're the genius. That's the other thing you'll hear uh, referred to a couple of our... Listeners have referred to John as the genius, which, in fact, he is. But I hate admitting it because you just watch his head swell. Mm. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's what you'll hear us call him, the genius. Let me just back up real quick and give a quick synopsis of what my um, responsibilities are for Dreams Unlimited Travel. I run the day-to-day operations of the business. Mm-hmm. So I take care of the agents, and I take care of the bills, and I take care of uh Client issues that come up and running sort of... And the, yells at me about spending money. Right. Sort of the day-to-day stuff of the business. So uh, when people say, well, what exactly do you do? That's what I do on that end. For He's Dr- Roy. I'm Roy. Roy Disney. Okay. Roy Rogers. He's <laughs> dead. <laughs> and then as far as the Diz goes, um, I've taken on more of a helping role for Corey. In the beginning, I was doing some of the application work and writing the code and stuff, and now it's more like sort of helping Corey out with what he's doing, and he's now surpassed my skills, so I can't even Yeah, he has a that. habit of doing that. Yeah. He has a habit of doing that, so. All right. And as far as Dreams goes, I take care of uh, uh, some of the code work on Dreams as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, John. Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Uh, I grew up in the Northeast. Uh, 
we came to Disney in 1971. My mom and dad had gone on their honeymoon in 1957 to Florida. And when my we got old enough, my mom said she was going to take us to someplace that she thought was just wonderful. And we went to Daytona Beach for vacation. And all I remember up until a certain point is wherever we went, my mom used the telephone. And we were in a public parking lot one day and she was in the telephone booth and we were sitting in the car waiting for her. And she proceeded to jump up and down and scream. And we thought she had gotten stung by a bee or (laughs) got good news. We didn't know what was going on. She went crazy in a phone booth. And she got in the car and we went back to our motel and we packed a bag and she said, we're going. And vacation at that time was a luxury for us, a real luxury. We didn't grow up wealthy in any stretch of the imagination. And we actually kept our motel at the beach because we didn't want to move all of our stuff. And we went to Disney World for two nights. My brother and I had no idea that Disney World even existed. My mom had watched it on television and decided that when she got the opportunity, she was going to take her kids to Disney World. And I grew up, uh, this was 1971. I was 12 years old, 11 years old, going on 12. And... I had always, whenever we went away, I went with my folks and we went to Disney World and my brother and I were given some freedom that we were allowed to wander this amazing place kind of on our own. Apparently my mom and dad felt that this was a safe environment and we, after that, we only got to spend a couple of nights there the first time, but that was December of 1971 and I remember everything being brand new and spotless and really, really clean. Uh... We went back again in 1973 for a much longer visit where we stayed directly on Disney property at the Contemporary Hotel. And we were given monorail passes. And we were allowed the run of the Magic Kingdom. We could go morning to night if we wanted to. And we thought it was the most magical place on earth. Hmm. There was it, was, it was my playground. I didn't have to answer to anybody. It was the most amazing place I had ever been. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with everything about it. I mean, I had seen the movies growing up. I remember going to see Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins, I remember my grandmother bought us tickets because you had to buy them like you were going to the theater. It was not like you go to the movies, you walk up and buy a ticket. You bought a seat for like a week or two in advance. It was Hmm. like a theater engagement. And she took me to the Palace Theater in Albany, New York to see Mary Poppins. And I was just in awe of it. And a couple of years later, I got to go to the Magic Kingdom. So I've been a Disney fan since the age of 12, a rabid Disney fan. And then as the years p- progressed and we would continue to go back, I had this uh, a stereotypical vacation experience. If we were going to be here for 10 days, the first five days were euphoric. And then we would reach that middle point. And I would start to think that I have less time than I've had already. Now I'm on the downswing. Now I've got to go My vacation's home. almost over. My vacation's yeah. almost over. Let's do that too. So I would become depressed but start planning. And I, I mean, even as a young kid, I would say to my mother and father, we should put a deposit on this hotel room for next year. And what that was doing was I was sort of ensuring that we were coming back. And on Sounds the, very familiar. On the way home, it was just this heartbreak that I was gone, that I was in a place I had loved. So in the late 80s, we had been coming here for so long, we decided, and uh, housing at that time was so much less expensive than it was in the Northeast, that my folks were in a position to buy a vacation home. 
and they bought a house here in St. Cloud. And I was even more thrilled. <laughs> now I really had to come back. And it, we, we realized, I realized that when I wasn't here, I was plotting on how to get here. So there was never a time when it wasn't in the forefront of my mind. I was either here or figuring out how I was going to get here. And I decided uh, after we owned the vacation home for a little while, I was teaching kindergarten in uh, upstate New York in Albany. And I decided, that's it, I'm done. I don't want to be in the snow. I don't want to be in the cold. Albany seemed, I had lived there for 30 years, going on 35 years. And I had decided that I had done it and seen it and been there. And that I was going to go on a new adventure and I moved to Florida. I got a job with a telemarketing department selling Disney vacations over the phone. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a timeshare company, and I had absolutely no problem selling it. I mean, I don't know that I could have sold you aluminum siding or Ginsu knives, but I was selling Disney. I believed in it, mm -hmm. and I turned out to be good at it. If I had to sell something I didn't believe in, I probably wouldn't be good at it. Exactly. I liked Disney, and I could convince you that you would too. So I became the customer service manager for a timeshare company. And in 2004, I had met John in 2001. In 2004, I had still worked for another company. I like how you look to me. Like I, I, I was just, it was more like one yeah, of those Yeah, you're two things. men. Neither one of you know when you met. Well, I do, but I just, it was like, <laughs> I look for him. I had to look up when my first visit was. Um, I, I had never heard of the Diz when I met John. And I just kind of thought, what do I need that for? Disney World's in my backyard. I don't need to talk to other people about it. If I want to know about it, I can go look. So I never got involved. And in 2004, I was downsized. And I called John. I said, listen, for all intents and purposes, I've been fired. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And that was a Friday. And by the time I got home, I had another job. And that's how I came to work for Dreams Unlimited Travel and the Diz. And I don't know what my title is. <laughs> Changes depending on what I need you for. I, you know, <laughs> it depends. This Some, is a common. This is a common refrain among among everyone that works. I do for customer us. service. I do advanced customer service for Dreams Unlimited Travel. I handle the adventures by Disney portion of adventure or by Dreams Unlimited Travel. I help the agents with things they need help with. I am. I don't know what my title is on the Diz. I'm the cultural attaché on the board. <laughs> 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 I'm the person, the most vocal person on the, the board. The cultural attaché to Greece. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do restaurant reviews for the Diz Unplugged podcast, and I, I, my title is whatever needs to be done at the time. And that's not unusual. I mean, I, I say everybody here has so many tasks. And so we wear many, many hats. There's no way you can pinpoint yeah. exactly what your job yeah, is. Yeah, it's never boring. It's never boring. There's always something going on. Before we move on, can I say something about the boards? Sure. Uh, one of the things I hear a lot from people is that it seems like there's a cool kids group and there's a non-cool kids group. I was originally the original non-cool kid. I didn't know anybody. Yeah, me, yeah. When, I, when the Diz Unplugged board first started, uh, there were a couple of people who showed up regularly. And that group has grown. The way you become one of the in crowd is you, you participate. You let us get to know you. You get to know us. And that's how these boards and this podcast really grows. Well, I like to think there's really not an in crowd. That well, this we is are the, the compliment. Perceived. The, the, the common perceived. perception. Because I, 
you know, uh, we, we really do try and think about everyone who's listening. Um, it's obviously easier for us to think about the people that we communicate with or that we see on the boards all the time and, you know, their personalities. They come to meets. They come to different things that we do throughout the year. Uh, so we get to know these people. And I think to some degree we've, you know, almost focused on them too much. And uh, nothing take, taking nothing away from them. But uh, one of the reasons we're making some changes to the show and doing a show just like this is because we really do want to be inclusive of everyone. I was someone who grew up uh, definitely on the outside. And so I know what that feels like. I know oh, what that please, feels like. I understand I, completely. Exactly. And You're looking at the fat gay kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So uh, the thought that anything that we do would give anybody uh, a reason to feel that way is anathema to us. And, and, and we, don't, we, you know, we don't want to ever have anyone feel excluded. And I guess that was actually my point, that if you venture into our boards, you're welcome with open arms. But the way to really become involved is to get to know everybody and let them get to know you. And that's, if that's something you want to do, if that's well, uh, exactly. I mean, we're not coming out searching you out to post on the boards, but if you we venture, can, but we won't. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to join us, it's a very welcoming environment. We try and keep it really light and friendly, and we would love for everybody to come and join us. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. Let's move on to Corey. Tell us your story. Well. Grew up on the West Bank of New Orleans. I'm a Nolans boy. Uh, my passion for Disney basically came from my parents. They brainwashed me early on. That's you and bad. your sister. Yes, both of us. That's good parenting skills. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, we actually used to skip Mardi Gras and come to Disney instead. The traffic down um, I-10 would come one way and we'd be going the other. Well, I, uh, I knew I wanted to work for Disney since I was six years old from River Country uh, after talking to one of the lifeguards at the top of the slide. And 13 years later, I applied for the Disney College program in 1997. Um, I saw a little paper up at LSU. That's where I went to college, Louisiana State University. And I applied and found myself here working at Blizzard Beach, lifeguarding during the summer. Loved it so much. I was living in fantasy land, made no money, zero money, came broke, left broke. But I went back to school, and I just missed Orlando in the worst way. I missed Disney. I missed everything. So I came back in the summer of 98, did the same thing. Went back to Blizzard uh, just for the summer, then went back to school. That's when I met Julie, fall of 98. And I told her, I said, look, when I graduate, I am going to Orlando. I'm picking up everything and moving. And I asked her if she'd come with me, and she did. Didn't have a job, really, when I got here, so I went back to Blizzard. Blizzard was like my safe ground um, for Disney. Lifeguarding. I went there, so I became a lifeguard coordinator. Uh, which basically, I just looked over all the lifeguards and responded to any of the emergency scenes, but I had zero creative outlet. I was doing the day-to-day, fun-in-the-sun job, but I graduated in graphic design. I'm an art major, and I had zero creative outlet. I would actually walk in to the manager's office offices and I would uh, draw Disney characters on their dry erase boards. Anything I could do to, you know, express myself creatively. Well, I knew I had to do something else. I couldn't just, you know, go to work every day and be tan and work out and walk around the parks and with a college degree. So I answered an ad in the paper. There was an ad in the paper for an internet assistant. 
So I really found the Diz in a different way. I wasn't on the boards. I didn't know what the Diz was. I'm like, he was the first outsider. Uh, yeah, I was the outsider. So I answered a paper. This was uh, October of 2001. I went and interviewed with Pete at the Grosvenor Resort, uh, downtown Disney, and brought my portfolio, my resume. I, I had done one website before this, but I'm like, heard that you were good looking. I'm like internet <laughs> assistant. Didn't have a bearing. <laughs> like internet assistant, I don't know what this is, but I'll give it a shot. You know, I don't really know much about websites, but I can. I'll teach myself if I need to learn. So. That's where I found myself. I actually started working out of Pete's house. And uh, the conversation to my parents was pretty, uh, was pretty interesting. I'm like, Mom, Dad, just want to let you know that um, I'm quitting Disney. I'm going to work for this Internet company, and I'm going to work out of, um, out of the, the boss's house. And just let you know he's gay. Oh, my parents. <laughs> okay. You're quitting Disney. You're going to work for an Internet company, and you're going to work out of, uh, you know, <laughs> somebody's house. So that was 2010. They think you'd be in Congress. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be a common thread you hear that we try and explain to those around us what we do for a living. I've been doing it since 2004, and my mother still says to me, "Do you need money?" <laughs> <laughs> we all work out of our homes at, the, at this point, but back then, I think we had the idea that we would have people come to our house. Yeah. And set up an office in the house and things like that. Well, that I, I just want to I, I just want to comment on that interview experience with Corey uh, before you go on. Um, I must have interviewed 30, 40 people for this job. This was right after nine eleven. We were the only place in town that was hiring, and you know I, I'd seen some 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 good people, some people that had some some skills. Um, you know, and Corey came in and he showed me his portfolio. And because we were really, I definitely wanted somebody with that uh, that graphic design skill set, because I can't draw stick figures, and the site had always looked very remedial, for lack of a better term. And I really wanted, I really wanted it to have that more polished look. And you know, Corey shows me his portfolio, and he was very honest with me. He goes, "I haven't done a lot of web work," and I'm looking at his portfolio, and I remember saying to myself, you know. I can teach HTML. I can't teach this. Uh, it was just, it just, the, 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 I'll, I'll never forget it. It was, he was in the middle, he was like in the middle of the interview process. I think I had like 10 or 15 people to interview after them. And I felt sorry for those people because I'd already made up my mind. He was going to get the job. He had exactly the kind of talent I was looking for. And it turned out to be a magnificent decision. Um, and, uh, so 2001 was a big year then. John and yeah. I met in 2001. Yep. Walter and I met in 2001. As a matter of fact, I met Walter about two weeks after I met uh, I met John Corey. a week after September 11th, mm. October or September 18th. We're the oldest couple. <laughs> no, Teresa and Calvin. I mean, like, as far as, like, the original members, like, when we oh, first yeah. met all you guys. No, I met Walter in 1985, but we're not a couple. And then there was Bob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll get to Bob. Um, how old were you when you interviewed uh, I was 23. 21. So he was 24. You had just made 24. I remember thinking when you said you have to come and meet this guy, I remember thinking how professional and how how serious you were. 
we had met some people who and were confident. Confident. We had met some people who were kind of flaky, and I was like, "Oh man, this is not what we need." I met Corey just after the interview, and all I was fascinated was, "But how he got his hair to do that?" Well, you, <laughs> you know, you were talking. You talk about that interview um, before. Before I looked for the ad in the paper, I um, I was looking for other jobs while I was working at Disney, but I was looking for something within Disney to design for Disney. So I applied for um, a TSA position. It came in the, um, the eyes and ears paper, for a temporary salaried assignment position for six months for the Disney Design Group. They, they said, send your resume in. So they, I think they accepted about 400-something resumes. And I got cut down to um, the actual portfolio cut and then cut down from there to the interview. I think they interviewed 13 people, and I was one of them. But I went in there somewhat confident because I – I actually had to go in and interview with a whole table full of people, these Disney designers. I mean, they design everything from the tickets to the napkins to everything you see and touch in the parks. That's what they design. And I don't know if this question was the reason or maybe it's just because of my um, inexperience. But he said, where do you see yourself in six years? And I said, on the other side of this table. But I meant it. <laughs> but I mean, that's, I mean, you know, you talk about what if they took it a different way or not. But that's a smart answer. That's it the is. answer you want mm-hmm. people to say. You want people. You don't want someone to say, "Well, I'll be doing the same job in six years." You want someone who has drive and yeah. look is looking forward because that's the person who's going to push them up. I hope my car is paid off. <laughs> <laughs> what was funny? What was funny though was that uh, when I hired Corey, I was looking for really someone to help out with certain things on the site and do design work. Um, I did not look at Corey and say to myself, this is someone who is going to replace me. Uh, that came a few months after he started working for me when I saw the way he approached things, that if he had a question about something and I wasn't answering it fast enough, he would research it himself and teach himself. And he would bring his computer home with him at night and buy all these books and research and learn. He was going to learn this. And... Eventually, I started realizing, you know, because I knew there was going to come a day that I wasn't going to want to do this for a living anymore, but that hopefully the site would survive that and survive me uh, in that role, and that I needed to have somebody that could step in if, God forbid, anything happened to me, especially as time as things went on, you know, the more people we, we employed, the bigger this got, the more important it got that, you know, we start thinking about you know, contingency plans. What, is it, what if something happens to one of us? And, you know, it was a surprise to me that Corey was so adept uh, beyond just, you know, drawing pretty pictures uh, that he could operate in, you know, several different realms. And, of course, at the end of last year, I did step down as uh, the chief of the Diz and the boards and turned it over to Corey. Um, and uh, that was... Uh, not nearly as tough as I thought it was going to be. He's done a he's done a great job stepping into that role. So, but you know the um, a few months after I started, when you said, "All right, I need to send you on a Disney cruise because you need to learn the product," I'm like, "Are you serious? <laughs> I need to go on a Disney cruise? This is not real." So you know, in addition to being a job, it is fun. It, it's a lot of fun to do this. We do what we love. Yeah, and we get to do some things that very few people get to do. And that's the cool part. Yeah. It's the first job I've ever had in my life where I didn't get up in the morning and think, should I call in sick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same for me. So, cool. Thank you, Corey. Let's talk to Julie a little bit. Um, 
I, whenever you say Disney expert, it kind of freaks me out a little bit because I, I mean, I, I do know about Disney now, but I don't think of myself as an expert. I don't know. But I mean, it's, it's, it's nice that you think of me that way. You're like a movies and books expert. Yeah. No, I think, but I think each of us has a niche. You have one. Absolutely. But you also have an experiential uh, expertise. That You've been to a lot of this stuff. Right. You've been right. to a lot of yeah. these parks. You've. And now, especially with uh, you know a, a 14, 14 month old <laughs> son and another one due any day now, <laughs> next week. Um, next week, um, um, you're also getting a lot of experience, not just in uh, taking children to the park, but also dealing with special needs. Right, that's um, very true. And um, people ask us questions about that all the time, but we don't really have a true experience of it yet because he's not old enough, right. I guess, to you know to see where he is and. Anything like that. But um, my first trip to Disney, I was five. Um, I remember it was fun. There were certain things that stood out, like we stayed at Fort Wilderness in an RV. We got to see the water pageant all the time. That's why I like it. It's one of my first memories, the electrical parade. And my brother got lost. (laughs) So, you know, in line for the Haunted Mansion. But those are like the things that stand out to me. Um, I didn't come back until I was 20. When Corey brought me back, when we did our Caribbean Beach trip and we were looking for a place to live. Uh, So it was a totally different experience, you know, going to Pleasure Island and seeing it from an adult's perspective, I guess, and not a kid's perspective. So I didn't have a a bug at all. Like, it was fun. And I'm like, yeah, it's okay. And even after he got his job with you guys, I could care less about going to the parks, really. You know, he's like, oh, I'm going to go do this. I'm like, okay, see you later. I'm going to lay out by the pool. (laughs) Um I think when it finally got to me is when my first food and wine festival, because that was the first like big event where I went with a whole bunch of people, our friends. Um, I mean, it did involve drinking and I was young, but (laughs) it was just the park from a different point of view, I guess, and not just touring it, you know, oh, look at this, look at that. Um, And then I grew to love it even more after seeing, after going on the cruise, I think, is what really got me, like seeing how they could take what they do in the parks and translate it to a ship. Mm. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, that's a very small space to still be able to bring the magic of all four theme parks, you know, into that. But uh, I continued school here at UCF and finally graduated. Corey had been working for the Diz for a long time by then because it took me a long time to graduate college. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, Not for lack of trying. I made good grades, but... After that, we went on the cruise with you guys, and then we went uh, to Disneyland, and that's where I was introduced to the Dreams Unlimited Trivia Challenge, mm-hmm. where I was the spokesperson for that. Um, looking back on it, like it was so much fun, but actually watching those, it, I could do a much better job now. <laughs> After watching like E News and <laughs> you know other things like that, but I had met you before that. But you were just Julie. That impressed me. <laughs> Thanks. So once we were there, and you guys did a podcast from um, the Hotel Del Coronado, and I sat in. That was my first time. That's right. So We did it from a balcony yeah. uh, at one of the rooms at the Del Coronado. And that was close to the Navy base, right? Mm-hmm. It was their Navy base. So there were helicopters and lights and like all this stuff going on, which you couldn't even hear in the podcast after all. But um, we didn't even stay there. We just <laughs> got a room to record on the balcony, and that was it. Yeah. Oh, wow. And collect a few soaps. 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's me. Huh? Pete, Pete and I fought over the stuff in the room. Um, Isn't that why you go away? <laughs> but I had a good time doing that. And then afterwards, I, I guess it was around January when y'all had asked me to step in and actually sit at the table with you guys. And I was the first woman. Yes. I was the only woman for a long time, which it was fun. I could hold my own with you guys. Oh, absolutely. Um, especially, I-, I loved sitting next to Bob. <laughs> I probably was the only person that could have tolerated sitting next to Bob because he liked to rub up against you. But <laughs> not in a dirty way. He just was always kind of all over the place, you know. But um, I was also doing menus at the time and uh, you know, just kind of contributing wherever I could. So... You know, the podcast has continued, obviously. I think it's been, well, I guess three years for me now because it started in 07. A little more than three years, yeah. Yeah. And I take care of all of our listeners that send in emails and voicemails and Facebook and whatever else, send your T-shirts, award prizes. Um, most people contact me for anything. They're like, oh, three months ago, I... <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I remember you. <laughs> Pete promised me a prize <laughs> yeah. in chat one night. Yeah. It's like, and what? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I got a bad habit of doing Julie that. Julie also helps me out a lot because yeah. my, my desk can get pretty crazy sometimes. Not like mess. I'm just talking about the amount of stuff that I have to deal with. So she helps me out a lot. Like, Julie, can with you dreams. please help me out with, with this? With tickets and, and stuff. And, yeah. Um, any questions that come in about tickets, Kevin knows. He forwards them. Then I take care of that people always have questions um normally the same ones but (laughs) i'm still nice (laughs) so that's the majority of my job and i I enjoy it i like coming doing the podcast but um i am looking forward to my maternity leave too yeah (laughs) i gotta get used to being a mom of two so that's right we'll see how that goes but it's been fun cool cool now uh julie uh and and we all at points have mentioned Bob, and you will hear the name Bob mentioned. Bob was an, a, a member of the original team. Uh, Bob had been with us uh, almost from the beginning of the Diz. He started out as a moderator on the boards and uh, just made himself a fixture, made himself a fixture on the site and as a friend to John and I and to Kevin. And uh, He was one of our first agents. Yep, one of the first we agents with Dreams that. Unlimited. And uh, Bob had a personality that was at once unique and uh, bizarre. And joyous. <laughs> and joyous, absolutely. He loved Disney with a passion. Uh, Bob, unfortunately, passed away in April of 2008, uh, very suddenly, very unexpectedly, of a massive heart attack. And uh, if you go back to any of the shows prior to that, um, there's an awful lot of, of things. Bob had a, a way of speaking that... Well, first of all, he was from Boston, and he had that real thick Boston accent, which we just tortured him about mercilessly. And, and Bob would also mess up words. He, Bob knew how to be the straight guy. Yeah. And, and just to say, you know, like, you know, there, there's interventions at, uh, at Epcot, and in a segment once he called it interventions. <laughs> uh, you know, there's all sorts of Bobisms that we, from time to time, will play on our what we call our prize-matron. This Bob is went to Animal Kingdom one time and watched him feed the cheaters. Yeah. No, they were doing, sur- doing surgery. Remember? Oh, that's what it was. They were operating on the cheaters. <laughs> so you will hear, you will hear uh, Bob. We, well, actually, after he passed away, we uh, dedicated uh, the room, the studio here that we record in uh, to him. That's why it's known as the Bob Varley Studios. And, and that's V. Bob v, Varley. Not, v is in yeah, Victor. Not Marley. 
And so you'll hear things like uh, Shahimi, uh, Grey Tuner, or Bring Cutter. And for those of you, oh, that's the wrong one. Don't you know nothing? Pierre Jute. I can also take a nap with my eyes open. Too. <laughs> but go back to your hotel and take oh. a nap, and then come back later on. <laughs> this is what Bob. Every segment Bob ever did. Invo- there, there had to be a nap piece built into it. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you'll 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 hear these little drop-ins from time to time. Uh, when we talk about Bob, that's that's what we're talking about, and uh, we miss him terribly. Um, even though it's been a few years, uh, it still feels uh, like it was just yesterday. Yeah, man, he missed out on both my pregnancies. He would have let me ride his cart. Yep, <laughs> yep, yeah. Bob had a uh, Bob had a a, a bum ankle. From a work a work related injury uh, many years ago, and uh, he wore a boot on his right foot uh, to keep his ankle steady. And uh, yeah, I used to call him Shabooty because he had a shoe on one foot and a boot on the <laughs> other. And uh, he couldn't walk long distances because of that. So in the parks, he would use a uh, uh, an ECV or as he would call it an EVC. And uh, you know, he referred to it as his cot. Of course, he was saying cart, but he was from Boston, so it's cot. And if you go onto our YouTube channel, you'll see some videos we call cot cam, uh, which Bob, beyond putting Christmas lights and all sorts of other regalia on his cart, uh, also had a monopod uh, duct tape. That was another favorite thing of his was duct tape. Uh, to the back of his ECV, and he would put a video camera up there and then drive through the parks taking video. And we call this cart camp. And uh, we'll throw a link to that up on the show notes page as well. Bob used to start almost every sentence with, all you need is. And it would be like, all you need is duct tape, a panel van. And a, banana boxes. And a bag of mini marshmallows. And you'd think, mm. Bob, I don't have any of that stuff. <laughs> but he did. He would make beds and furniture out of banana boxes. Um it was he was a he was a trip he was an absolute trip and uh, we are definitely less uh in his absence uh, but uh, he's never far from our thoughts um i don't think a day goes by where i don't think about him so with that let's talk to kathy <laughs> there you go kathy follow that up jeez <laughs> oh, so kathy tell us about your your Disney experience. I came to Disney way later than all you people. I used to make fun of people who came to Disney that when I lived in Pennsylvania, I'm like, why would anybody want to spend a week at an amusement park? You know, I didn't get the whole theme park thing. And my mother passed away. And a few months later, my husband passed away. And my sister goes, you know what? I think it's time we do a family trip before anybody else passes away. And she suggested Disney, and I, you know, jumped up and down and, you know, threw a tantrum and didn't want to come. And they did get me here, and it took a couple days. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm starting to get it. And then that that started the whole thing. Did they have the Disney bug, or was it just a vacation? It was just a vacation. They had come and stayed at Caribbean Beach, and they liked it, and it was Florida. Because we also grew up that my parents always talked about Florida, that it, it, you know, it's like you could see the big heat waves coming off the cement. Like, why would anybody want to? It's like an oven in Florida. And so we had all grown up for years like Florida. You don't ever want to go there. So to us, it was sort of like we did something that my parents had always said like we couldn't do. Hmm. So it was sort of like an adventure that we came to Florida. And I came that first time, and 
you know, as a single parent and with three kids, I said it was a great place to come because nobody knew my story. I could come and do and nobody would say like, hey, where's your husband? And my kids got to be kids. So we started coming for like all the holidays. And one time we were here at Christmas and we were sitting at Caribbean Beach and a cast member came up to us and we just had a great interaction. And my daughter turned to me and she said, you know what? One day I want to work for Disney. And I just looked at her like, (coughs) sure, okay. Because she was the daughter that I thought was, you know, would never do anything like that. So we went back home and the my daughter got interested in the college program. So she came down and she did the college program twice. And when she was finishing up the college program, I had managed to, you know, I had to be the good mother. I had to come down and see her while she was on the college program and I came down 9 times in the space of that year. And you are a good mother. I know. I thought I thought it was my duty to come down and just check and make sure she was okay. Nine times. Yes, nine times. And the like towards the last of those nine times, I'm like, you know, the Orlando airport's starting to feel more like my home airport <laughs> than living in Pittsburgh. And when she finished up the college program and she went, you know what, Mom, I really don't want to live in Pittsburgh anymore. And I went, well, you know what, I really don't want to live in the cold and the snow anymore either. So um, we came down here on a vacation, and we sort of looked around, and like a month and a half later, the first person who came and looked at my house bought it. Wow. So I had put the house up for sale, and we were walking onto Mission Space, and I said to my daughter, I says, you know what, I bet you we're going to get the phone call that the house sells when we're on our way to Mars. And we came out, and sure enough, they had called to say that they were buying the house. And how many people can say that they were on their way to Mars when they got the phone call? (laughs) So we moved down here, which was the summer of the hurricanes. And, you know, we've loved it ever since. I'm safety mom on the Diz. A lot of people always go like, oh, you're Kathy? Because I don't have anything in my signature that says that I'm on the Mm -hmm. podcast team. But um, She's embarrassed. She's incognito. Just... You know, it's just who so I am. So you could just be Kathy and not, mm-hmm. you know. Because sometimes, you know, if they, they know who you are or whatever, you know, people expect different things. And a lot of times when I, I'm also a dreams travel agent, and that all came about. I started out on the Diz because, you know, before I moved here, when people would post pictures and report on anything, and they're like, wow, if I ever get to move there, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to share it with people who can't be here. I want to repay the favor. So I started off, you know, posting, and of course, Caribbean Beach, you know, I that's probably where quite a few of my um, posts on the Diz came from, and I became a moderator, and then one day I got an email from John asking if I wanted to be a dreams agent, and then, you know, we progressed on, and Got to work for the podcast, and I'm, like, in the parks. Something's going on in the parks. She's our person on the ground. Yep. How many days a week do you think? I would say almost every day. Sometimes it seems like. Sometimes, you know, I'm there every day. But to me, because we just did a bunch of days in the park, and I still get those, you know, like, goosebump moments Mm -hmm. that when you see something that's going on. So, I, you know, I still try to, you know, post pictures. Now I'm, you know never go anywhere without my camera because you know that's when something's going to happen so i carry it with me everywhere so it's just it's it's been fun it's you know i still have the disney magic it's still there um but i still like to share that like on the diz with everybody that 
you know, if I can get you the answer, because I'm sure we all have had those moments when we were trying to do some Disney planning and we just needed an answer and you tried through official sources and you couldn't get it. To me, I always say the Diz is like my um, secret weapon because if you want to know about what's going on, the Diz is going to have the answer. Yep. And not only about Disney. Right. Oh, most definitely. I mean, it's amazing. You know, and the minute like a thought will pop into your head about something, you'll go on the disc and find out there's already a thread about it. So that's my story. Cool. Thank you very much, Kathy. Teresa, let's talk to you a little bit. Hey. Um, well, I grew up in Illinois, way far away from Disney, but Disney was always a part of my life because that one time a week we watched the wonderful world of Disney. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, colorful world. I don't remember what it was as a child. But it was the one time my whole family sat down and watched TV together. There was no remote, so I was the remote getting up to move to the NBC channel and do whatever we had to do. And, of course, that was the only movie my mom would let me go to as a child. When a Disney movie came to town, we all went to Disney. My first one, and I don't remember what it was. I know it was a Disney movie. But I went with my sister and her boyfriend. It made such an impact. It did. (laughs) Love Bug, maybe. Or it was something in the late, late 60s because I remember I was young. It was so packed that I was forced to sit on my sister's boyfriend's lap to watch the movie. <laughs> it was kind of weird. That yeah. is kind of weird. <laughs> this is but, the wrong show for me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, and I also remember um, 71, 72, a classmate of mine came down and went to Disney World and come back with all of these things that she got. She had the little globe and she had the ears and I remember all of us standing around her just like, ooh, look at all the fun, cool stuff you had. It's not just a TV show. Early on, it was a club. I remember going back to school after having been to Disney World. And it was like you were were talking about Mars. Yeah. Because nobody had been here. And it was just so cool. I mean, it was just... And I also remember watching... I know it was reruns because it was already off the Mouseketeer Club on TV as a child and just enjoying that. So fast forward, um, I grew up. Moved to Georgia, got married to Calvin, my husband, Calvin Eccles, and um, didn't really think about Disney much. So we started having kids, and then you start collecting your movies, mm-hmm. and you watch your movies, you take them to the Disney movies. We had Max had them all. He sat and watched Beauty and the Beast 600 times. Oh, she's getting... Oh, I'm getting teary. She's getting misty. If the, the wind blows, <laughs> this woman cries. Okay, just so you know. But anyway... So that was that, and we um, moved to Noonan, Georgia. And about that time, Walter started calling me. I'm on a trip, and you're not. <laughs> I'm on a cruise, and you're not. I'm with Pete. What do you mean, Pete? You'll love Pete. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so, that so doesn't sound like Walter to me. I know. <laughs> no, every time we get on that show, oh my every gosh. time. That's so funny. The first call he Walter, made. Walter, you can be a jerk. Oh, he was. <laughs> I'm not giving you the call, mic. <laughs> no, I would always call and say, we're here. You're not. No matter where we That's were. so funny. He oh, did. Yeah. Picture him doing oh, and that. And that, that was about the time we got caller ID on our phone. And, you know, and, <laughs> and the, only time Walter's calling. <laughs> Walter's calling. They're on a trip. I'm not picking it up. You talk to him. <laughs> so that was that. And then um, you let us, we come down to visit you and went to Disney a few times, several times. And then when Stella was a baby, which was um, summer of 02, we met Pete for the first time. And we were staying at Old Key West, and, and uh, we went to Disney with you, Pete, and Walter. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. Had a good time. 
never thought anything more about it. I mean, it was fun. And we did that a couple more times. And then, um, I guess, spring of 08, when uh, you come up to visit. Oh, Lord, she is just... I'm just weeping. I'm, I'm so hormonal. Anyway. She's pregnant. <laughs> oh, Lord, no. <laughs> I'm channeling you, Julie. I'm crying for you. Crying with you. She's having a hysterical pregnancy. <laughs> Does this story end badly? <laughs> I don't think I want to hear anymore. Not until I met you, John. Oh, is that okay. what ended? <laughs> That's what it turned. But no, then um, shortly after that, um, Bob died. I had never met Bob. Do we need to take a few minutes? <laughs> Take the next step, Pete. Tell them what happened. How I got here. Okay, I'm ready now. All right, so um, New Year's, Walter and Pete had come up to visit our house and stay over New Year's and had a good time. Pete was so relaxed, and that's we really got to know him a lot better. Um, of course, a lot of the time he was standing in the driveway talking to Corey on the phone. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I thought, wow, what a demanding job Corey's got. Wouldn't want to be Corey. <laughs> But anyway, a couple months after that, my husband found out that his job was being phased out. So he started looking for another job. Um, The house we lived in was also connected to his job. It was part of him being a farm manager where we were living in Noonan. And about that same time, Bob died. And so I wasn't looking for a job. And Pete called me out of the blue and he said, you know, I kind of got this idea. Um, You need you can come work for us. And we were toying with the idea that I would stay in Georgia, and which a lot of employees do stay in you know different states, and or move here. And I was ready to move. I knew we had to move anyway to move out of the house we were in. So instead of looking for another house to live in noon, I said, why don't we just look in Orlando? Many long conversations later with Pete, I had talked Kelvin. I told Kelvin, I said, you know what? You can't find a job here. I've got a job waiting for me. Um, let's just do it. Let's just move to Florida. So one weekend in June, Max and I come down, and Walter and we did a weekend of looking for a place to live, and that's when I met um, John and Kevin over dinner. Um, John terrified me then, as he still does today. <laughs> and I'm doing my job. <laughs> we John met terrifies the, everybody. Um, Portobello. Portobello yeah, we fun. did. We did. You didn't have enough sauce on your pasta, if I remember. It sounds like me. You don't really <laughs> complain about his food then. But um, and then I think the next day I met um, the rest of the team: Corey, Julie, Will, and we ate over at uh, Portofino. No, where do we eat? Mama, Mama, Mama Dallas, Dallas. Yeah. at Portofino Bay. That's right. And anyway, so then we continued through the weekend looking for houses all over Orlando. Flew back home, made final decisions. Walter ended up finding us a house. We moved down. And started working for the company July 1st, trying Dreams Unlimited. And I had to look at my uh, business card to see what my t- – I do have a title. It is Director of Operations Orlando Hotels. Basically, I work at home like everybody else. And I take care of off-site hotels, Dreams Res, do the reservations, um, meet with the people, make sure we're in good contact with them. And, and I, then in September, I started coming – and being on the podcast, which I had no idea that was really going to happen. I knew Pete had said he wanted my children and me in the parks to learn everything and to get that perspective, which we did, and we still do. We referred to that as the mommy gap at that point. Uh, I was uh, only pregnant. Right. Julie was <laughs> pregnant, and we didn't have anybody on the show. I mean, we, we had people that worked for us that had, had have kids, but they were older. Uh, and 
we didn't have anybody who had, you know, those that was a younger children. At the time yeah, too. we got a lot of comments about that. That we don't have that perspective on the show, and that's why I wanted to bring Teresa on, especially being someone new to the whole Disney universe. She could kind of bring that perspective and the perspective of, uh, you know, going into the parks with, you know, uh, at that time what was a, a five-year-old and a thirteen-year-old, um, and really kind of, you know, provide that 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 perspective. So that was uh, that was one of the main reasons we we brought Teresa on for my children. We wanted you for your kids. <laughs> for my children. We actually didn't want you. I, that's what I figured. I just kind of. <laughs> We're like a cult. <laughs> like, we need your young, children. Very Rosemary's children. baby. <laughs> but we, you know, we're in the parks a lot. Um, I enjoy my job, and the kids are having a great time. And it is still. I've learned a lot. I knew a lot about Disney, but not necessarily the parks. You know, the history of Disney. I love all of that, but um, the park aspect of it and the travel agent aspect of it it is all new it is it's a, it's a lot to learn too. it is a lot to learn it's really overwhelming sometimes but anyway it's fun good times <laughs> good times good, good times. times that's that's Teresa's and expression and i just need to make this point walter is not my husband these threads keep coming up on the boards how are we related now you know walter is pete's husband i'm married to kelvin and max is my son max the intern and Kelvin is Walter's brother. That's right. We need, we need like a Diz Unplugged team tree. Yeah. So family tree. Yeah, but then the lines start crossing. They are brothers. And you'll never see Kelvin on, you know, he's on the podcast. He's kind of like the invisible, you know, behind the scenes guy. Carlton Carl the doorman. Yeah. Carlton the doorman. So anyway. All right. Well, thank you. That's to, story. Teresa, why don't you pass the microphone over to Leah? We've mentioned uh, Will. Will Perry. And yep. there's somebody else if you listen to old shows. There's Ricky Pearson. Pearson. Ricky Pearson worked for us for a little while. And then uh, Will came on as uh, uh, an assistant to Corey and then had to move back to Indiana. He's uh, freelancing with us now um, and helping Corey out with a lot of graphic design work and things like that. So and you, Ricky moved back to Miami. Miami, yep. Ricky was a college roommate. Yeah, I was going to save this to the end, but I want to. I want to sort of give a blanket statement that says we get a lot of people who want to work for us, come to us. They want to be an agent. They want to work for the Diz in some capacity. This is not an easy job. No, it's not. We have fun. We do a lot of cool stuff. This is probably one of the hardest jobs I've ever done, and I know we ask a lot of our people. We do a lot of work, a lot of hours, a lot of different stuff. So. Sometimes people come and work for us, and they don't work out. Not anything bad to say about Ricky, but he what this wasn't a job for him, right? Uh, some served. people like a nine to five. Yep, Monday We've through Friday. People, we don't know what a weekend is. I'm not going to say who said it, but somebody who worked for us in the not in the past has said that they found themselves on their family vacation, sitting on the floor in the bathroom on the cold tile, making dining reservations at 4:30 a.m. And realized <laughs> this is not the job for me. Yeah. So it, it's it's not unusual to find yourself answering an email at two thirty or three thirty in the morning. Yep. It's it's a, a lot of people don't realize just how much work this really is. Um, but you're you're absolutely right. This is definitely the hardest job I've ever had. It's also the best job I've ever had. I agree. So I apologize, Leah. So let's talk to Leah, the senior uh, editor for the Diz. I think the first time I came to Disney, I think I was six. 
Um, and then we came back a couple years later. My, my parents have a timeshare here, so we came, I think, three or four times when I was growing up. Um, oh, and I'm from Illinois, just like Teresa. We're like 45 minutes from her parents' house. Um, and I grew up just 15 minutes from where we live now. Um, I think I really started getting more into Disney after I met David. Um, we came on our honeymoon, and we got married right after September 11th. Um, 2001, apparently, is the big... Yeah, Wednesday. really? Wow. <laughs> Um, and because of that, they canceled our airline flights, and we got we, we had a lot of free stuff left after our honeymoon. So we ended up coming back the next year, again, just to use up all of our free stuff. Um, and I don't know, have we been here maybe like five times or something since then? I've been here like five times this year now. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've been here a lot this year. I know, it's been wonderful. Um, but so that's, he's very into um, the Walt Disney Company and sort of how how it communicates with their with their guests and how all the little details of everything. And so that's sort of how I got a little bit more interested in Disney and that's sort of how I got the job. He was um we've been on the boards for a long time and have used you know, used them to plan trips and use dreams and everything to plan our trips. And I think David was meeting with Pete and Walter and Pete was just talking about things that they needed and they needed a copy editor. And he said, Oh I actually am married to a copy editor. Um I went to school for journalism, but I have not done it since college because we needed insurance. So I've done all kinds of stuff. I worked at a hospital. I guess I I still work at a hospital two nights a week. Um, I've been a barista for Starbucks. Um, I've been a personal banker and been in charge of ATMs and debit cards. I didn't know that. No, neither did I. Oh, yeah. I don't drink coffee, but I can make you any kind of coffee. I was just going to say. Can you come and stay with me? (laughs) Double decaf cap. Have cream. Could you do that now? Skin vanilla latte, please. If you give me all the equipment, then yes. <laughs> so I've done a lot of a lot of interesting things, um, and but I'd always wanted to do journalism. We live in a tiny little town, and I do not want to write for a newspaper. And that's pretty much all you can do with journalism there. And that's I've always wanted to edit and do pictures, take pictures, and so this is the this is like the perfect job for me. That it's the job that I that I wanted, but I didn't know that I wanted. Um, you know, I get to I get to work from home, which is wonderful. We have two little boys, and so I get to stay home with them. You know, they're playing on the living room floor, and I'm sitting there on my, on my laptop working. Um, and so I, it's just perfect for me. Um, I I do all kinds of stuff. Um, I don't really know what editor means. I I work with Kathy. Kathy didn't talk about. She does a content, and we update the site. Anything that needs to be updated, um, we do discounts. You know, if there's a new party a new show anything that's new anything anything that goes on the site we put up on the site um i sort of manage the blog so anybody that writes blogs um, i manage the calendar for that and um just edit all of them to make sure that they look good before they go up i write all the news stories that go up so i sort of troll the web looking for you know something to write about it sounds unseemly (laughs) (laughs) not trolling like the bad trolls on the boards um, do so you bring Mike's hard lemonade? <laughs> so that's my job. I kind of do a little bit of everything. So great. Well, thank you very much for that, Leah. Why don't you pass the mic over to Walter, my my partner for the last uh, eight plus years? Two thousand one. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <really>. Yep. <laughs> October. We 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 met in October. Uh, we met right after I met you, and we started dating November second of two thousand one. I didn't do anything in 2001, if you want to keep <laughs> Slacker. 
Um, the first time I went to Disney, I was 18, and the only reason we did that is because our best friend moved to Miami, and it was between here and Miami. So we met him up here, and we stayed for a couple of days, and that was the first time I went. And um, I was in Georgia. I was um, in my early 20s. I was trying to get back in school. I lost my job. Nothing was working out. So a friend of mine and I came down here to see his parents. So on the way back up to Georgia, I just said, um, I looked at him and I said, so when are we going to move back down here? Which I, I never do stuff like that. I mean, I, I live in the same apartment for like five years, six years. I just didn't make big changes. And uh, we went back, sold everything we had, and moved back down here the next week. I thought you packed up during the night and skipped town. It seemed like it was a quick, we're moving, we're going to Florida. Like a gypsy in the middle <laughs> it of the was. night. I remember it being chaotic and upsetting, but Was there some me. rent that was due, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> some payments that were not made? I think we had just signed a lease the week before, and we were oh. like, oh, we're out of here. So we just left. Anyway, so when I met Pete, I uh, my background is uh, in social work. I have a, a master's in social work. I'm also a licensed clinical social worker. So when I met Pete, I, I worked in prison. I was doing substance abuse evaluations at the Florida Department of Corrections. So I worked inside a prison. Well, Pete is a worrier. And for me to, <laughs> to work, say the least. For me to work in a prison was not a good thing. So when we well, first yeah. met you though, you were you were huge, like muscular. And I don't know if that's from your job, like you worked out all the time, like to be strong, so in case there ever was like an incident. Not to say that you're not muscular now. Okay, great. Thank you, Julie, because now for the next (laughs) six months, I'm small, I'm small, I'm small. This is all I'm going to hear. No, no, no. I'm horrified. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. So your stomach's lopsided. <laughs> Did you work out more often when you worked? There? No, I worked my no, butt no, off. No, no, no. I'm just going to hang myself now. You have no idea. This is body dysmorphic disorder, and it's worst over here. You have no earthly idea. I've never worked out so hard in my this life. Man, this man is 50 years old, and he has a body that most men half his age would kill for. And I keep telling him this that you look amazing, you look fantastic, and he does. And then somebody says something. I like didn't that. say he didn't. And he's uh, going to be like. Anyway, anyway. So well, I, work, I, work I have to say, though, my favorite thing about Walter is when he says things like, This is what I learned in prison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, let me clarify. When I first met him, he said something about, You know, this is what I do in prison. And I thought, Is this like work release? What do you <laughs> I have that to clarify that because when I said, uh, When I was on probation, oh, when I did probation, I was a probation officer. When I was in the prison, I worked at the prison. So I need to clarify that. Sometimes I'm not, I'm not that clear so i was a probation officer i worked in a prison um the one problem with working in a prison is i i um i kept getting really bad infections and i was in the hospital once <laughs> oh, oh, Verification. No, he's cell block 2001 all right all right no from you know for, i mean he would see on an average day 60 70 80 uh, inmates. I, I saw 300 a week, yeah. And it's so, like Oz. So, you know, he would just, you know, and this is, I, it's a very common problem for people who work in hospitals, work in prisons. Um, School they, teachers, They become too. very, very susceptible to staph infections, and he kept getting these really bad staph infections that required hospitalization. That's what he meant to say. Yes. <laughs> I don't want you to think my husband is some, like, Petri dish. <laughs> you were muscular, and we thought you were a bad guy. <laughs> There's problems with the staff. Anyway, so uh, Pete and I met. I was not uh, that 
I was not that knowledgeable of Disney. Um, when I went to a theme park, it, it was usually universal. Um, but we started going to the parks, going on cruises, and um, I learned a lot. It was, it was really nice. Um, I guess like Julie said, I think when I was on the cruise, I was really surprised because Pete's like, let's go on a Disney cruise. And I thought it was going to be, I don't know, I thought it was going to be kitty, kitty time or something like that. And they catered to the adults just as well as they catered to the kids. So that was a wonderful experience. So then um, I finally got my license as a clinical social worker. And then Pete was like, um, why don't you quit your job for a year, come work with me, and then decide what you want to do. So now I help Teresa with uh, Dreams Res, and I just started doing the, the Universal product, product um, tickets, and soon I'll be doing cruises on Universal. Um, yeah, Walter, uh, Walter helps uh, process uh, Universal room and package requests. Um, he works with Teresa on Dreams Res, and uh, he's actually been like, he's, he's loving Universal. He's loving Universal. you, you got to keep in mind that when Walter and I first met, he was like the anti-Disney guy. I mean, just had no interest in Disney at all. Uh, when we first bought a house together, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, used to having all my Disney cells and artwork up all over the place. And he was very clear there was going to be a limit <laughs> to how much of that uh, he was going to, uh, he was going to put up with. And over time, I mean, he's, he's gained an appreciation for Disney. I, I still don't think you would call yourself a Disney fan. Um, would you? Maybe I, a fan, not a fanatic. I like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's that hesitation. But he's not, you know, Walter is not immersed in pixie dust. It's not his style. Uh, Universal is definitely more his speed. Whenever we go to Universal, that he really connected yeah, with. Yeah, but there's a, there's a lot of aspects of Disney that I truly do like. Uh, when we go to um, Fort Wilderness, that's some of the best times I've ever had. Um, we stay in hotel rooms all the time, but when you go to Fort Wilderness, you feel like a part of the community. People drive by on their golf carts, and you're waving at them because you're really happy to see them, and you feel like you're a part of it. Um, there are certain parts of Disney that you, you experience, and you're like, it's like no other place I've ever been. But one of the things I like, uh, one of the reasons I wanted Walter to be on the show was because he brought that perspective of somebody who, uh, you know, a, a lot of our listeners know this from their spouses. Um, we have a, a lot of listeners who are real big Disney fans, and their spouses will go along and will put up with it to a certain degree, um, can appreciate it, but maybe not as you know crazed in it as as they are. So Walter brings that perspective uh, to the show. He's not, like I said, he's not immersed in pixie dust. This is not someone who's going to sit down and spend six months planning his Disney vacation. Um, it's just not his thing. He can appreciate it. He enjoys it. He knows a lot about the hotels. He knows a lot about the parks because he's experienced all this stuff with me, both here in Orlando and out in, in Disneyland, which Disneyland, I will say, that that has always if, – oh. if there was ever a time that Walter start, would get the spark in his eye, it's when we were out there. He loves, loves Disneyland. But that's always been like our place. Yeah, um, for you and I. For that's, California yeah. has always been more magical for us. Yeah. Well, that's more like a vacation because we were actually leaving home. Mm -hmm. yeah. When you actually live here, it's, it does take a little bit of something I away totally from it. I totally agree with that. Yeah. That's uh, why we like the cruise. Mm -hmm. right. right, right. It just seems more magical when you're away from home. Yeah, exactly. So I really enjoy that part. Um, and I'm real supportive of Pete because Pete works a lot. Pete does not like to travel alone. Pete likes 
Oh, you poor little Walter. You have to travel no, with Pete. No, feet. let me let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. Um, he, uh, you, none of you have even the slightest idea of what he puts up with, um, and and how much support I get from him. Um, and I guess it's a kind of a good segue into into my history with this because my history is a little a little more sordid, uh, I think, than. <laughs> Uh, other working people, in a prison, other oh. people in the room. Uh, I, you know, I had always wanted to come to Disney as a kid, and uh, my parents were were not. We weren't dirt poor, but we they weren't you know wealthy by any standard either. And a Disney vacation was just outside the budget. And I had a friend growing up who always came to Disney and and would come back and you know regale me with the stories. And I just wanted to go. And I remember promising myself when I was old enough, I was going to go to Disney. I didn't get that opportunity until I was 24. Uh, the company I was working for had sent me on a business trip into Orlando. I had one day to myself, and that one day was spent uh, at Epcot. And this was also a time where I had just recently gotten sober. I'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. And... I had uh, recently gotten sober at that point, and uh, I remember walking into Epcot, and this is, again, my first exposure to anything Disney World, and seeing everything so clean and everyone so friendly and everything so larger than life, and it was just this whole other world, and I remember thinking to myself, this is what I did drugs to feel like, and suddenly that became my addiction. Uh, and I promised myself that every year I stayed sober, I would treat myself with a trip to Disney World. And I kept that promise, in some cases, more than once a year. Uh, each time I came back, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was this amazing experience for me. Something like I just, I don't have any comparison to it. There's nothing else that's ever taken place in my life that has ever been like that. I remember the first full vacation I took. I stayed at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. My parents worked for Sheridan at that time, and I was able to get the $69 a night friends and family rate, got a room with a view of Epcot, and that was my first time ever staying in a hotel like that, first time staying at Disney World, uh, and I was hooked. I was hooked. It might as well have been crack because I was so addicted to it. And all I could do from that moment forward, I had... One of three, there was one of three states of mind for me. I was either planning a trip to Disney World in Disney World or just getting back planning my next trip to Disney World. Those were the only three modes of operation I had. And all I could do was buy every book I could find, uh, absorb all this information because I wanted to plan these great trips. And uh, a good friend at the, at the time, a good friend of mine, uh, Neil, is still a good friend, but um, Neil and I, Neil was an obsessive compulsive like I am, and we would have these, we would call them war council, um, where we would get together and spend hours and hours and hours uh, planning every detail of our trip. And this actually became ultimately the foundation behind the Diz and behind my idea with Dreams Unlimited Travel to do these customized itineraries. Um, <clears throat> so through the 90s, I would, you know, uh, travel down here all the time, and uh, then I met John. And I, I got John hooked, 
And, you know, then John and I were just down all the time. We bought into Disney Vacation Club. Um, that was funny because I remember that trip. I really wanted to do the tour of Old Key West. And, you know, he kind of begrudgingly went along with it. And we, we pull into the parking lot at Old Key West before, before the tour. And he said to me, we're not buying anything. We're not buying anything. I'm like, I just want to look. That's because you get that. Everyone tells you how bad timeshare people are. And I thought, they're going to push us, and they're going to push us, and they push us. We're not buying anything. Yeah. I used to work for a timeshare company, and we loved nothing more than to hear someone say, I'm not buying anything. That meant you had your credit card in your hand. Well, we went and did the tour. And it was, you know, the no, no pressure sales pitch, which Disney Vacation Club does so brilliantly. And then... Um, we were left on our own for a little while to walk around. And I remember we were standing up outside the pool at Old Key West. And he looks at me and he goes, I want this. <laughs> and I'm like, John, it's like $25,000. What are you talking about? He's like, I want this. And sure enough, a few weeks later, we were vacation club members. And, you know, now we had a reason to come down three times a year. And... You know, at that point, I was working for United Parcel Service in their IT division. I've always worked in computers. And I was given an assignment. I was in the training department, actually, and I was being moved to another department to start up uh, an internal website for the, uh, the department I worked for, which had about 1,700 employees. And I knew nothing. I had, I had designed a couple of websites just for fun. Uh, and really, when I think back to what these websites looked like, this, you know, call, saying I designed these sites is, a, is being charitable. Um, they were awful. But I was the only person around at that point in, in my group that had ever done a website. Uh, this was early on when the web was just starting to take off. So, we're, we're, I mean, we're going back to 1996 here. So the web was just kind of burgeoning. And uh, somebody suggested that one way to hone my skills was to build a site for myself and practice on that and then use what I learned in, in my business in, for, my, for, my, uh, for my job at UPS. So I figured, okay, well, Disney is my thing and we had just come back from a trip and my niece wanted to see pictures because it was the first trip we bought my, brought my parents on when we came down here. And so I built this little site with the pictures and then this opportunity with UPS came up. <coughs> Three, two, one. This opportunity with UPS came up. So I just kind of built that, and I called it the Disney Information Station and just created some, you know, some content and stuff. And it was a horrible design. Um, but, you know, there was one Saturday morning right after I launched it. This was January. This was June of, of uh, 97 that I went and I saw that the server had log files. And these log files detailed all the visits to the site and like 55 people had visited that week or something like that and I didn't know who they were and I'm like oh my god people are looking at this and I always liken it to that, that feeling you get when your house is a mess and you get a phone call from somebody saying I'm going to be there in 15 minutes well I have been running around for the last 13 years cleaning up this site uh, making it suitable for visitors and that's how it started. That's how the Diz started. And it just took on this life of its own almost immediately. Every 12 hours, because I thought wherever the logs would run, there's 78 people. Yeah. There's 112 people. Every morning, at least every morning, he got, he got an update while he, was sh while he was shaving. John would get an update of how many people came the day before. 
And it was actually the first trip we took to Disney after we started the site. It was in January of uh, uh, 1998. Um, and that was the trip where you uh, put your uh, resume in. And that was the first time we reached 1,000 people in one day. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my God, 1,000 people. Now, keep in mind now, the site sees roughly eighty to 90,000 people a day. But 1,000 people a day, it was unbelievable. And we moved to Orlando. And at this point, I was dead set against any advertising on the site. I didn't want any advertising on the site. That wasn't what it was about. Um, and we moved to Orlando. John was going to work for Disney. And I wanted to start my own business. And I was going to start a web design company. And, uh, but I needed to make money in order to survive. So we did sell some advertising on the site. And one of those advertisers turned out to be uh, the Best Western Plaza International over on International Drive. And they were the ones that said to me, you know, we can't pay you an advertising fee, but we can pay you a commission. And that turned out to be very lucrative. And I realized, oh, wow, there's a business model here. And I sat down and came up with the idea for Dreams Unlimited and what I wanted Dreams to be. And I really looked at what the kind of questions people were asking on the boards. You know, what's involved in planning these trips and say, you know, we can, we're experts. We know this stuff. We can help people plan their trips. So everything that we modeled Dreams Unlimited after, and I want to be very clear here, um, there were other sites on the Internet dealing with Disney before us. Um, there were other travel agencies that specialized in Disney before us. We were the first ones to do the itineraries, the discount checking, the priority seatings, the concierge service. We were the first. All these other travel agencies out there that are doing this borrowed their model from us, borrowed their model from me, because I was in the bathroom when I came up with this, and I know nobody else was there. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I say that only because... There are some agencies out there that like to claim they were the first. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. I was there, and you weren't. Or an exclusive service they offer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, we were the first, and in my opinion, we are still the best. Although there are people out there that will argue that I have pride of, pride of authorship on this. So, um, the, uh, It was never supposed to be this what it turned into. I never sat down and said, okay, the Diz is going to become this, you know, big thing and it's going to become a, a successful business and we're going to employ all these people. Uh, it was just following, following a passion. Um, my passion for Disney translated well onto the web. I was in the right place at the right time early on in the history of the web. And the site took. And we just focused ourselves on trying to build something that people needed, people wanted. We tried to learn how to listen to what people on the site were asking for, what sorts of information was important to them, and build up around that. And yes, it's turned into a remarkably successful business, and sometimes people act like that's a bad thing. And I'm convinced that those people think it's a bad thing only because they didn't think of it first. Because if they had had the opportunity to do what I did, if they had had the foresight to do what I did, quite frankly, they would have done it too. And I think I am so amazingly proud of, of what this has become and where it's going. And it is by far my life's work. It is the devotion 
of the last 13 years of my life. Yes, it was a difficult decision to decide to step down as the the head of the Diz and the boards and turn the, the reins over to someone else. Um, but this was somebody, you know, Corey, who had been there for eight years and had shown me that he had he had what it took. He had the metal uh, to put up with a lot of the things that the person in that position has to put up with because there's a lot of things that you have to deal with. And, you know, uh, it's, it's not been an easy ride. I'm not going to sit here and say that I've been sober since the beginning. I haven't. I went to rehab a couple of years ago because I fell off the wagon. Um, and uh, it's, been a real, it's been a real roller coaster ride, but I wouldn't have missed it for the world. And uh, that's how all this came to be. That's how all these people uh, came to be a part of my life, our life, each other's life, uh, your life, for those of you who listen on a regular basis. And for those of you just finding us, I hope that you find something you can relate to here, something that you, you know, helps you understand who we are, what we do a little bit better. That was really the goal of this, to introduce ourselves to you and to welcome you to listening to our show and to our sites. And again, if you have any questions, you can always email us podcast at www.info.com and uh, we will do our best to answer you. So, so that'll do it for this special edition of the Diz Unplug. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you on our discussion show, our email show and our Disboard show in short order. Thanks for listening. Oh, I almost forgot. I close every show with the expression, stay out of the damn lakes. And the reason I say that is of a hotel review I did a few years ago at the Polynesian where I was first made aware of the amoebas that live in freshwater lakes in temperate climates like, like Orlando. Uh, when the water reaches a certain temperature, these amoebas come to life, and if they get up your nose, especially kids and older people, uh, it can be deadly. And there are signs up all over the place at Disney saying, Please stay out of the lakes. Please don't go in the lakes. And people ignore them. So I close the show by saying, stay out of the damn lakes. So thanks for listening.